Underground. each small peak reaching for its past, grasping and melting into where it had already been. A warm wind rushed in with all familiar loves, their rumble and crash lapping clear green and dark cloud contrast with the light further on. Every second was full of presence. I wanted to be alone, neck deep in myself, letting me be there, laughing with ghosts to touch and melt into someone I'd already been. Hello and welcome to this month's edition of Legends from Ink to Airwaves. And that beautiful voice you heard at the start belonged to Jess Alessa. How the hell are you? Hey, you humped enough legs to get me here today. How oh, are you? Uh, you know what? I, en- I enjoyed every leg, every single leg. Um, oh, it was, it was hard. So easy. <laughs> Just as a um, as a kid, uh, earliest memories, I suppose. Okay, uh, my first memory is my father trying to get me to go to sleep in my grandparents' basement. I could not walk. I could not talk. I remember him bouncing me up and down on his shoulder. It was very uncomfortable. His shoulder was too bony or something, and he was patting my back and then rubbing my back, and then patting my back, and then rubbing it, and I was like, pick one! <laughs> Please pick one! <laughs> and that's my first memory, is being really angry about the way that I was being consoled. Um, and, well, you were born in Ohio, so yes. that, make you, that would make you an American. It, it would, yes, it would make me an American. Although I have lived none of my adult life in America. Well, wow. six months of it. You you travelled around a lot though uh, in the in the early days. Said father was in the navy, so nice. um, our first deployment was I think he was going to training in Florida. So before I was two years old, we were in Florida, and then moved to Japan shortly after that. My brother was born there, and I lived there until I was six. Then we moved to Scotland, and I lived in the east coast of Scotland until I was about 10. And then we moved to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Now, I wanted to ask your, your impression of Japan, you know, because obviously I haven't, I haven't been to Japan, but I've, I've seen it on, on the TV, you know, um, and, and it looks amazing, you know. Oh, it is. It's beautiful. Well, I was six years old when we moved away, but I do have a lot of memories from then. I remember my parents would go camping with their friends, and obviously some of their friends' kids were my friends. And um, I remember a glass bottom boat, and mm. I was at the beach all the time. Um, I remember the play park. The slide was like a great big tiled thing, it was really wide. But yeah, lots of. I have memories of my brother picking snails off the walls and eating them. Oh, lovely. That kind of stuff. Nice. But, I mean, that's... that's... <laughs> it's not really the culture of the place, no. No, I actually got my head padded a lot because I was a little blondie. And oh. um, it was good luck to touch a blonde head, apparently. I kind of resented having to move around a lot because I never had the same friends I never got to grow up. I mean, I was homeschooled all the way up until I was about 16. And I, so I didn't even get to go to school. I was really, I had a very insular. Who, who took the school photographs, the class photographs? Like, uh, so. Uh, <laughs> what? I, you mean the I, family pictures? <laughs> there's a certain amount of things, let's say, that I would have got up to in school or, or people that, that you couldn't get up to. 
could you? I mean, you couldn't oh. sit at the back of the class kind of thing and have a bit of crack with the people, you know? And I was very social. I think I think it was difficult for me to learn um, in that kind of setting where I would have done better with a teacher. Had I you feel. been in school at all before before you were homeschooled? Had you had you been in the school inside no. the school? No, never. I didn't even. I had always seen it in movies. I'd always watched it on TV. I read the Babysitters Club books and uh, Nancy Drew, and I was like, I always thought that was the dream to be a sixteen-year-old girl in school well, in high school. You would have missed some stuff and you would gain some stuff in, in homeschool and I mean uh, you, you didn't really have the chance to, to go running away from school for the day or anything like that but what happened when you were I mean were you bold were you you like compl- complicit with you know did you comply to the to the whole school homeschooling thing of course in, yeah in, in body and soul kind of yeah well, you, well I, I didn't know anything else you wouldn't have home yeah yeah. I didn't know anything else. And my, it was my mom that was in charge, and she was a, she was an imposing figure. My mother, <laughs> uh, yeah. she had a few things to smack my ass with, <laughs> and, it, and, and it, I got it, grounded a lot. <laughs> I've always had a streak, and she's always like, "Oh, Jackie, rebellion is the same as the sin of witchcraft." And sorry about that, Magdalena. She didn't. She didn't mean that though. Um, <laughs> You know I don't mean that. Just looking at it now, when you're looking, when you're looking back at that, and you look at the kind of curriculum that your mother had set for you from from an early age up to, I mean, was it enough? Did it? Did it? Did, were you able to, you know, use what you had there and and had plenty left over, kind of thing? Or, oh yeah, or yeah. You left wanting, like with you know stuff. Some things socially, I felt like I was, I was left out a bit, but I, I'm naturally social, and we did have. Um, like I said, community, military community, and my parents were always in a church, so we always had those people. Um, we also, at some rare stages, went to homeschool groups, so I was socially okay. Curriculum-wise, she would buy a curriculum. She would pick out the the materials from a subject in a in a catalog, I guess. There were catalogs for this and curriculums that different schools put out and she would choose things from these. She also, I was always reading. She always had books for us. Um, She would send us to our rooms just to read extracurricular on top of the reading material that she would get us. She was very adamant that we read out loud and to ourselves that we were comfortable on our own um, and that we could, I don't know, just, entertain just, ourselves. Just listening to that makes me claustrophobic and uh, I'm looking around to see how the fuck am I going to get out of here? <laughs> there's a window, <laughs> there's a door. Uh, I got outside. I mean, like I said, do you know, when my parents got divorced, um, my mom was like, you know what? This has been a, can I say fucking? Um, okay. So this has been a fucking hard year. We're going to take six months off. Oh, Let's nice. go to the beach instead. And she, we didn't have to do our schoolwork. I mean, I was lucky. We got a cooked breakfast every morning. Um, and to the point where I didn't like that very much anymore. I didn't want pancakes or eggs or bacon or sausages or toast for breakfast. Can someone please give me a bowl of cereal? Wow, you have Cheerios? Can I have Cheerios? Oh, I watched yeah. the wake fold over itself, each small peak reaching for its past, grasping and melting into where it had already been. I mean, these are, this is pretty fucking nice writing, like. We're in 21st of September, 2011. I mean, you weren't, you weren't necessarily writing poetry and posting it for very long at this stage, were you? No. I mean, I had always journaled. Um, like I said, I spent a lot of time in my room. <laughs> I had always uh, had a journal, and like since I was about six or seven and um but I never when I came to DU it was to read people's poetry this was me discovering poetry in 2010 you know um I'd read classics obviously at some point but I had discovered what poetry could be 
I heard on your last podcast, Missy was talking about how she had um, in school, she read this poem that this teacher was showing them that that showed her that poetry didn't have to be stuffy. It didn't have to be this specific thing. And that's when I first came to DU, it was through, um, I don't know if anyone remembers Tim Roberts. But he found me on MySpace and uh, just said, hi, I'm this person. Read my poetry. Here is a link. And I went and read it. And I was like, what? (gasps) You can write that? (laughs) And um, yeah. So uh, yeah, 2011, I hadn't been writing very long at all. Um, A year maybe in DU. So you've written this. Now, I'm not going to ask you to... um... Uh, because poets don't really like explaining what everything means as, as, as such. But I, I suppose, can you remember the general kind of feeling you had when you, when you were when you were putting this together? I was on a ferry and I was on a trip, I guess, back from the mainland. And I was standing on the back of the boat, just watching the water, and it was just so perfect. And I felt I had all the feels. You know, you get all the feels and you have to communicate that somehow. Mm. And I, I did. I just wanted everything else around me to disappear and be in that moment. And um, it's nostalgic for me sometimes. I mean, growing up like that, growing mm. up looking at the water and just always being near it. And every, I was just I was just being fully in that moment. I, I just I was fully encapsulated in my own little world there. Mm. And I was like, wow. Remember when? I could just, I guess, you know, when problems or anything gets on top of you and you just kind of want to be where you were a little while ago or Mm. be somebody, see something in yourself that you used to see. Maybe you don't feel like you're up to the same standard or level as you were before. You know, you talk about um, being homeschooled and stuff, so uh, you, you weren't really inside a school. Um, but what about a library? Like, where where, where did that come in? Uh, and at yeah. what? Like, yeah, I can well, see your face light up when I said absolutely. Library. Yeah, I know. My mother was very adamant that. Well, like I said, she was adamant that we read a lot. So she first thing she did whenever we got to a new place was get us into the library, and we had audio books. You know, on the cassette tapes. Yeah, she would yeah. get when we were kids. She would get us those little packets that they came in on hangers <laughs> like little plastic packets that snap closed with a book in it and mm. an audio tape mm. um and it would read the book for you and she would get us those as many as we wanted we always were in the library it was just I, I sometimes when you go in now when I go into a library it's wow where do I start mm. but when I was little I knew exactly where I wanted to start I ran straight for the kids section <laughs> and I ran straight for something like Nancy Drew. I liked, I loved those. I mean, I, I don't want to say when I was six, that's what I was reading, but you know, when I was maybe 10 or 11, yeah. Harriet the Spy, you know, mm. Ramona, those kind of things. I always had, I always had some girly the same thing. My mother uh, brought us to the library, and um, just the feeling of the whole thing. It's like wow! It's, it's like you're in awe of it. Almost like when you're young and you're in church, like and all you hear the fucking priest and on. You're in. You're saying wow! Like this is yeah. It's so, in, it's so infinite, you know. You can't. It's not anything that you can kind of have as such, you know, a, a tangible yeah. thing. But it's but it's all but it's also there, you know. And, uh, the feeling, I, I'd, I'd never forget that uh, feeling. Now I went, same thing. I went, I went to the kids uh, section, you know, and uh, and I and I got the, you know, the fun kind of, uh, you know, rhyming kind of a good um, um, animation. Is it called animation? When oh, uh, illustration. Illustration, like that kind of thing. So we're looking at, you know, the cat in the hat or that. The oh. elephant. Doctor Seuss, my favorite. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Seuss, and I, and I loved them. I really, absolutely loved that, you know. And I, and I think we were allowed to take three books out, and I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, what? I can, I can have three of these. <laughs> uh, and the, and you know, and you get stamped, and it's like, 
you know, you better have the, you know, have these back before fucking two months time. And I'm thinking, I'll be back fucking in three days time. Did you ever get the books out when you read them? Then you can make a choice what happens. Like it'll, it'll oh. say at the end of the page, if you want this to happen, go to page. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about them. I forgot those even existed. I, I read a couple of series of them now. I loved them, but I always, because... I always read all the endings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know all the different things, you know. Did you change the way you read stuff? I mean, like back in the early stages of, let's say, um, uh, Dr. Zeus. Uh, oh, I love Dr. Zeus. You know, you would read that in a certain way, and it'd make you feel a certain way. And it's like you, you get used to the kind of dancing down the... Dancing yep. down, because that's really what it is. Like you're right, yep. like, dancing down the book, and and it's bringing you. Um, now I have to say, like I was young when I read them books, obviously, and and them two things used to make. Oh, they were. I I I can't really explain the feeling, but it was kind of like danger and. Uh, oh, thing one and thing two. Yeah, them things. Yeah, them things. Thing, them things. Yeah, thing one and thing two. Yep. Um, no, absolutely. I remember you ran a competition. I don't remember what year it was, but it was a really popular one. And you, I think it was for your son. Mm. You wanted a bedtime story or something that had a moral mm. and something that had the same rhyme schemes that Dr. Seuss would use, something that sounded along the style of Dr. Seuss. Mm. And I wrote for that, and he liked mine. He, he. Yeah, I remember that absolutely and I actually wrote a poem it was one of my first ones that I posted on DU I don't think it's far from page one in fact um, it's called Statisticals and I had just read a book called Freakonomics where it was all about uh, statistics and some of them were very unpleasant like how and controversial, like how abortion in a certain demographic actually improves the a city mm. or an area, and it's it's actually it was really uncomfortable in some ways. But um, yeah, I wrote a poem for that. What do you look for in a book when you, when? You know, is it because someone tells you there's a good book there? Why don't you check it out? Or, I mean, can you walk past the book and see, uh, you know, the cliche thing? Can you see a cover of a book kind of thing and say, oh, that looks, you know, readable? Which is odd because obviously it can't really, you know. Unless, of course, uh, not by a cover. But hmm. titles. I really like titles. And I know, especially for poems, I mean, I... I I guess I don't pay as much attention to titles of books because most of the books that I've read in my life, I have no idea what the titles were. <laughs> I hardly even remember <laughs> the stories or the contents, but I did read them at one point. I, I'm the same though, you know, because yeah. when I when I kind of kept evolving through the books and, got, and, you know, I went from the famous five, let's say, to Pyro or Agatha Christie's books then, you know, and I really liked them. Uh -huh. um, then... You know, you'd fall. My father always had a huge, big collection of books. Anyway, in in, in the house, you know, he'd he'd book thing downstairs and he'd book thing up up in his his bedroom too, of different books, you know. Um, and every now and again, he'd give me a book uh, to read. You know, now I have to say, the books that he gave me to read, a lot of the books that he gave me to read were 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 uh, history orientated. You know, um, so like he was trying, he was giving me books to to you know give me. A knowledge kind of thing. So, well, you know. to be honest, I've been absolutely stunned by your knowledge of history on more than three occasions. <laughs> so, <laughs> more than three, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, well, it's not my forte for subject matter, so yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, oh, geez, I ate them up. I, I really did, I ate them up because I, it's because it's not only, I mean, when you read a book, you know, you're getting your own kind of images, you're getting your own kind of you know, movie in your head or whatever, and feelings and stuff like that. And but you, but you do kind of in the back of your, in the back of your head, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if it's a novel, if it's a fantasy novel or, or whatever like that, you know that it's, you know, it's happening in your head, all right. But it's not, it's not something that necessarily, 
and it happened like kind of thing, you know. But when you when you're reading a book, then you know, age maybe thirteen, fourteen, kind of age, you know, when you're reading the book, and you know it happened, you know. So yeah. as well as the as well as what you're 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 registering in your head as images, you're also feeling um, lots of different mad kind of new feelings, like new emotions and new, like, you know, anger, d- despair, kind of kind of stuff like that. It's it's not really, it hasn't really, it doesn't really affect uh, your, your, your life as such, but it, it does give, does give a kind of an insight to, I mean, uh, the fucking... I- Gonna say, I want to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It opens your mind to different concepts. And at that age, you wouldn't encounter necessarily those those kinds of emotions from those circumstances because you're not in those circumstances. But when you're, when you're presented with those kinds of dilemmas, maybe, mm. or situations, and you see this side of something that you wouldn't have even ever thought of Mm. it opens up your mind to process those things and at a a young age it's i think that it's pretty eye-opening and Mm. and Mm. i would count it as experience almost i mean not experiencing that particular thing but i would count it as experience because it's something you wouldn't normally encounter um like in 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 terms of books have, have you published one or have you thought of publishing one um What's how would you feel about that? Like, uh, I've never published a, I've never published. Well, I think I got one poem published in a magazine once, like a online magazine. Attackies, uh, huh? Attackies magazine. Um, oh, serendipity. Oh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you might have got one on there. Yeah, not, I know, I know I did. Um, oh, yeah, no, I don't think I did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was long before. I'm pretty sure I was contacted. I don't. I don't know. I think it was a Joel A. Paul. So recommend um, three books. Recommend three books. If you, yeah, please. Well, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran is one of my favorite books of all time. I read it twice in one day because it was that marvelous. I was like, this is my new Bible. And obviously, you have to take. Like certain things with a grain of salt, you can't just swallow everything that comes mm. near your face. Well, <laughs> so you just just make sure that you kind of <laughs> just keep an eye on, you know. But yeah, I really loved that book. There was a book of short stories that I read. I'm noticing these are short things that I'm recommending, but. Um... <laughs> Keep putting short things to your face and take it all in. Now, okay, right, right. I know where this is going. You know what I mean? Fucking hell. I was trying to make it interesting. <laughs> okay. Family oh. show. No, it isn't. No, it's not. It's fucking the whole time. It's not, okay. This, it's fucking that. Right. <coughs> What am I fucking half German, half fucking Swiss now? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> All right. <coughs> anyway, I'm just going to do this again. Okay, sorry, over. Please, for the love of all that's fucking holy, recommend three, just three, just just recommend three, three books, Jester, three books. That's all. No, no, no. No innuendos, no, no, no porn. Oh just, come on! Just... Innuendos were funny. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you can keep that bit. Yeah, books, yes, they're three of them, three books. Um, okay, we already did Kilo Gibran. Um, I would also like to nominate North American Lake Monsters. All right. A book of short stories, and I don't remember the author, but it it was just so odd and interesting. The stories in that book. It was just very. I just wanted to keep reading each one, and I did. Mm, I, but then I lost I, the book. It was awful. What? That's two. We're we're getting yeah. there. And nope. <laughs> so well, another... here we are in February 2025, um, and we're still talking to Jess Alessa um, about what book she actually liked. 
Uh, name? Can you could you could you recommend a third book? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, I would like to recommend the Bell Jar. All right. That's um. Okay. Off the top of your head, what would be the if I said to you, give me a verse of poetry? What off the top of your head, what 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 would happen there? We've been talking about Khalil Gibran, mm. and I actually do have I have. Uh, been thinking about I looked up some of his writing today I mean I have the book but I didn't want to read the whole thing um (laughs) off the top of my head I've got this uh, quote it says when you are sorrowful look again in your heart you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight it felt to me like it was a complete shift in mindset the one the one sentence or it just it completely changes something from when you're really deeply sad and upset you need to realize that that's because you had something great you know what I mean you you Mm -hmm. there's something in there that you should appreciate that you've had it and Mm -hmm. instead of it it means that you're missing something that you have known the delight in and I thought that was really beautiful Mm -hmm. um I have trouble shifting my own mindset. Have you a verse of poetry on your arm? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Your first love. Well, I got married at 18 after being friends with my husband up until from the time I was maybe nine until I was 15. And then we really started talking. I mean, mm. it was kid stuff before, obviously. Just nothing and hardly any contact his sister was my best friend and then um yeah i know i i felt like it was very platonic for me for a very long time and then all of a sudden i i think i went to visit him and then it was just no longer platonic um when i was about 17 yeah and he asked me to marry him and i laughed that might have, must have been some fucking night uh... <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> I was just fucking charming. I'm just lovely, okay? Get over it. <laughs> I'm not gonna I I I won't contest that. Um <laughs> No, and then he asked me to marry me and and, and I, I laughed and he didn't and I said, oh. oh, are you serious? He was like, Yes. I was like and then we did. You drinking? I wasn't drinking. I was 17. Well, that's, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? I was 17 and I, I was drinking, <laughs> for fuck's sake. I, <laughs> I don't think there was anything on, on God's earth I hadn't fucking thrown into my system at that stage. Fuck's sake. I was 17. Oh, no. I have no. I was in a hotel room in a hotel party where there were quite a few underage drinkers. And I had a bottle of Sky Blue on the side of the thing. I had only taken a couple sips out of it. The police came storming in. The military police. Because the guys that were there were military. Oh, and <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that's mine right over there. That's my drink. I only had two sips out of it. They're like, shh. Don't say that. Just blow in the breathalyzer. <laughs> and I blew a zero. I blew zero, so I was the only one in the whole place that didn't get charged. It was great. So that was my drinking story from when I was 17, and it was, that's all. I was a very good girl, mostly. You you, you got married very young then. You must have been, what, he, you were proposed to fairly. You were 17, you were proposed to. You mm-hmm. got married, what, about a year later, is it? Yeah, less, not. less than a year, yeah. yeah. What was that like for you? It was hard. Um, I thought it was going to be all fun and games, you know, I was like, this is my best friend, we'll get married, we'll just do life together, I'll be able to do what I want, he can do what he wants, we're going to do what we want, but together, and that'll be fun, and mm. uh, that's what did I you, did. you, were you involved in the planning of it? I mean, I, did you have your wedding planned already before that, before you were proposed to? I mean, not, not planned <laughs> with anybody as such, but, but how, was it planned? Like, did, did you already know what the crack was with your wedding? Never. Absolutely not. I never thought about what my wedding would be like. Never once. I mean, I used to play house when I was 
tiny, but I would never, I didn't, I didn't like the idea of being in a crowd of people and being the center of attention in a dress. I didn't like the idea of saying mushy things in front of (laughs) my family (laughs) or friends or anyone. In fact, I didn't like it. So my wedding turned out to be an event that was planned by my mother-in-law and it was in her back garden. I was not wearing shoes. I was wearing socks. I was chewing gum and I was (laughs) in stripey trousers (laughs) and a stripey shirt. I was I got my hair done that day that was the fun thing I did were your parents happy enough with your choice they made well they had they knew the family they they yeah. they knew them for a long time obviously my dad was stationed in Scotland when we were younger and that's how we met so um yeah my parents were skeptical well, my mom was skeptical because I was so young and she wanted me to go to uni this would be a nice time to speak another poem, Just So, as you may know, I have a little soft spot for astrology. And it's not because I believe in it, per se. It's not a science at all. It's, uh, it's superstition. Um, but I do like it. I like learning about it and the theories behind it. I think it's interesting that my sign matches me pretty well. Um, Does it though? Yeah, I mean, the subtleties of it. There's there's things that come into play with it. Like all the different planets have a different part to play in your star sign. So it's not just, oh, I'm a Sagittarius. That means I'm this, which I am a Sagittarius. But it's the nuances in where the other planets are and the moon and your rising sign. I don't know all these things, really. But for a while, I did look into them and I checked out my natal chart. And it was it was fun. And I was like, no way, no way (laughs) the whole time. And uh, it doesn't match everyone. But for me, it seems pretty accurate, which is weird. Because I tried it with other people, and I'm like, no, that can't be you, no. Unless there's something you're really not telling me, <laughs> you know. So um, so one of my poems that I use astrology really heavily, I had just looked something up, a compatibility, um, a compatibility report. And it came back okay? And it came back okay, but these are the deets. This is the T, all right? So, it's called Set a Sagittarius to the Waves. My dreams always insist I kiss you goodbye, bastard subconscious. And I resent it, but it, we, were already filed and classified by the rotation of Saturn, where the sun shone, at which degrees the planets sat at the hours of our births. My son, the Yang Archer, had me hit before I even met you, balanced my fire with your roughly settled elements, set me like the stubborn fucking stars that do not move for anyone. Saturn's intrusion on our stone-step path to a rather adventurous zen says that our steam power could send us flying. But I, bastard subconscious will catch on practicalities consideration for someone else and because this shit is supposedly foretold i'm more keen to smash it really to man the death star and blast saturn back to dust but maybe the mapping watching scrying prediction is all just children playing hopscotch with the cosmos Landing confidently on the numbers that make the most sense to their feet. And I am quite complete, after all. And that star at the end said, This position indicates that you are somehow more complete as a partnership than as individuals. Quote by a free compatibility analysis. 
clearly the star said, uh, be bold, uh, tap that um, kind of it thing. It did. It did say that, <laughs> didn't it? According to NASA, what you just did there, your your whole compatibility thing was all wrong anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, it, you know, if someone is a good writer, you know, and, and they can, you know, they're doing it, they can... They can give, you know, uh, some kind of ambiguous thing and say, yeah. you know, this, you're all this, you're all that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know whether uncanny is the right word, but certainly unsettling sometimes to, yeah. to read, some, you know, like that. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they, they might as well have said, you're an Aries, so you breathe air. Um, <laughs> you, you like to walk, you know, you eat stuff. Uh, and, you know. Um, but in, in saying that, you know, and that said and all, there there is a, there is a kind of a, I don't know, could you call it magic? Uh, there is a kind of a thing there. You know, that, it's, that, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling. I think it's almost the same thing that you get from poetry. We can pull all kinds of things out of a poem that is, is things that are there and things that aren't there mm. that we can interpret on our own. And I think that's probably very similar it's a similar idea. Um, you can they can give you something in writing, and then you can pull out of it the things that are most relevant to you, or the things that you can relate to something else. And um, yeah, I think it's probably very similar. It's a it is um, a little bit of a magic. The, well, I suppose the point being to, to that was um, looking back now and look, uh, looking at what uh, we, we're, we're being told now, uh, well, we've been told over the last few years that, you know, the compatibility that that, that, that the stars actually told you, um, yeah, well, they weren't lying. The stars weren't really lying, but you, you kind of had it wrong a little bit anyway. But, uh, yeah. you know, so yeah. it'd be interesting to see now um, where this particular person star has moved to what 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 That's exactly true. uh what 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 that is now you know and that, since that, the uh, babylonians uh, did all this three thousand years ago you know it could be it could be that uh well the earth has tilted i think that's part of it the earth has tilted a bit more uh, to a different angle and everything's it's not that the stars have moved it's just that you know, the universe is constantly expanding and we are also on a flying, rolling ball <laughs> in part of another bit of the universe. So it's just kind of... Uh, because we've came through, you know, you've come through your marriage, you've come through uh, your kind of, uh, you know, a, a breakup and maybe a disillusionment in, uh, you know, of all sorts of things you've you know, and then the things that are associated with kind of breaking up, you know, you, you might feel lonely, you might probably feel ugly, you know, you might feel, uh, you might feel all these, these uh, things that, that, you know, you wouldn't, you shouldn't necessarily feel, let's say, that that wouldn't be really applicable. Uh, yeah. Moving from, let's say, that breakup and then into uh, this kind of, what was that transition hard from where you were to, to, to that kind of, you know, the, you know, the, the flood okay. of... Yeah, no, I get you. Um, I feel like a lot of my discovery of myself uh, brought me to being able to have the strength to break up, to be able to say, right, you know what, this isn't how things should be. And it was discovery of poetry. It was discovery of a community of other people that thought differently, that just an entire world opened up to me where I was like, no, this doesn't have to be settled for, you know, you don't, you don't just live like this. So mm -hmm. it, I think a lot of my breaking away from that relationship happened before the literal end of it. I had already moved on. I had already felt better in myself. I had already kind of detached. So no, it wasn't that difficult for me. And once the relationship ended, I kind of moved pretty quickly on to the next one. Um, and that was, that was not a good idea either. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but 
I mean, I had, I had this, I had this untouchable affection, if you want to say, that mm-hmm. I couldn't really, I couldn't really touch it. I couldn't reach it. And so I was pretty much just going on what life was throwing at me. And mm. because I was still growing up, I was still kind of naive. Um, I just kind of was like, it was sort of the same thing. It was like, so do you want to be with me? I was like, huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it just, that seems to be how things has happened for me the first couple of times. And um, I was like, it, I, I learned after two times <laughs> and however many, 12 years or something. So yeah, it's fine. It, um, I didn't feel bad. I, I felt fine. After the next breakup, that was another thing because it was pretty destructive um, to me as a person. I got away from poetry. I got away from the whole idea of myself and just threw myself into work. And that that man was a full-time job on top of my work. And it's my- even more for something kind of different for in 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 Scotland because you know we weren't it was a boil. I remember you got your first job in um, in, in the bar. Was that it? Was the first yeah, job yeah, yeah. I worked in a pub. I did. I worked in two pubs actually, but the first one, yeah, uh, that was my. I was there every. I was there six nights a week, and um, eight uh, hours. How did that affect your? Because are you, are you a drinker? <laughs> well, occasionally, yes. I so I go through phases, or I did go through phases of drinking quite a lot. Um, it wasn't that I drank. Okay, yeah, okay, I did. <laughs> I did drink a lot at the time <laughs> because I was kind of used to being able to. Um, I my kids were supervised. They had their. Right dad with them every night and I was working in a pub and I was I was kind of I felt very free and uh, I did yeah I drank a bit you 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 never I mean I I'm not I'm not gonna lie I I did get a little bit worried for you you I know you did Uh, (laughs) in the past six months of lockdown have you had kind of friends over had you you know did you kind of break the lockdown a little bit to have a bit of crack or anything like that or no never I was locked down for two months and then I was on furloughed so I was working for another two months after that and the first time I had alcohol since lockdown was maybe three weeks ago I had a glass of wine because if I had finished the bottle it would have been a mess. I had had maybe I had half a bottle and I was hoovering and I was off balance while I was hoovering in my living room. <laughs> and I felt like I felt like such a Karen. I was like middle-aged white woman <laughs> material right there. <laughs> I was like, here is my rose, here is my hoover. Uh, but you I mean, you you stopped at three kids with that on um, is that something? Is that the is that the end of it? As far as I know, that's my plan. <laughs> I don't. It, yeah? I would feel is like it? I had to start all over again if I had another kid. I mean, I love I love babies, but I think a lot of my friends are starting to have babies now, and my oldest is going to be sixteen. You know, so I'm not. I don't feel like I need to start over again and go back to not sleeping anymore. <laughs> I'm going to have enough of probably trying to getting phone calls being like, mom, I'm drunk. Can you pick me up? <laughs> you know, yeah, at yeah. some point. So I just, so you, you haven't ruled it out then? I don't want to say that I completely rule it out. You just never know what's going to happen. But I also don't know what started the universe. So I can't say I necessarily believe in evolution. I, I, I've seen, uh, I've seen, I watched um, a David Attenborough uh, documentary about 
kind of evolution and, and the but the kind of talk the theory right 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 back 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 uh to uh you know a, a comet that that kind of just fucking landed in the ocean you know and from that then you had your little tiny uh single cell thing and blah blah but then they 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 talked about um a fish the first kind of fish that was there you know and it was swimming about and so but then and another another fish came about from that fish but the other fish had kind of two fins that he could use as legs and so the the main predator of that that used to eat that fish well then the new fish with the with the kind of fins that used to just fly towards the shore and use its fins to, to bring themselves up out of war uh and their theory is that that's kind of where the the the, the kind of out of war living uh mammals uh, came from you know eventually and and then then they went right up through through different things different strains and different uh strings of different common animals all over the place and i mean the theory it seemed fucking concrete enough to me but i suppose if, if you're looking at david attenborough now at this stage you know and he's telling you you know this and, and that you're you, you probably have a tendency especially when they're showing you uh a kind of animated uh an animated version of what's happened. They show you yeah. the fish, they show yeah. you the fins and all that kind of thing. It's very easy to believe, like you know. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I tend to believe in. Um, I tend to believe in the evolution uh, of uh, things like that. You know, it, it makes sense. You know, um, I do. Whether no, or not I that's, do. I do you know, believe in evolution. Not, uh, I mean, I think. <laughs> I, I, I think. Darwin, I think Darwin thought evolution was, um, it was just, it, it had no kind of feeling. It's, it, it, it's nothing to do with anything else except just making things better, you know. And it's, it's like it, almost like an algorithm, I think somebody, I think I read, you know, it's like, like that. So it, there's, no, there's no niceness, there's no feeling, there's no thinking about it. It's just, well, that's that, that's done, you know. That's more happens. Yeah, kind of thing. So it's not that you know anybody like nature started th- you know thinking around and saying how can I how can no, I do this no. and what, how is that going to affect that kind of thing. It just it just happened kind of thing, you know. So well, um, I think it's a lot to do with genetic memory. Like when something has like when a being has something happen to it, mm-hmm. the the genetics pass on to the next the next generation of that thing didn't have anything to draw it towards maybe one fish just randomly felt like it wanted to jump out of the water yeah it did that that time which created some kind of an effect and made it want to do it again maybe it got maybe it liked it maybe it just started doing that and it started to benefit from it in some way like more oxygen i don't know and then the next generation of that was more drawn to that to breathing more air you know it would have just gone on that way and it and over billions of years it would have developed obviously but i think things develop a lot faster than we think we're finding new species of things all the time and they look like they're de- they're just another version of this thing that we already have, you know. I like, suppose, sorry, uh, but because I'll forget in a second. Um, I suppose one argument that might, you know, say, well, hang on a minute, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, if, if uh, like if you look at the likes of, let's say, chickens, or or cows, or you know, well, let's say chickens, especially chickens, because they get an awful lot of time, you know, um. <laughs> Oh, you know, over thousands of years, like, you, you know, why haven't they be developed the ability to just fucking fly, get out of yeah. there? Well, yeah. what, you know, what's, what's happened there? I mean, what, what's going on there? Are they, are they so domesticated? Is it that they don't know? They don't remember the, the you know, the terror of, of like, having their head pulled off or however it goes in there, you know, or, or even the cows or whatever, you know, it's, is it because uh they die is it because they they can't 
give that memory to somebody else. I think that's right. That's exactly what I was thinking in my head when you said it. It's because if they're, if that didn't happen to them, it's the survival of the fittest, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's the things that survived through something that Mm -hmm. would pass that knowledge on to the next generation, I would think. And so if they didn't survive their head being chopped off and they didn't lay more eggs after that, then I assume they probably didn't pass it on. It's it's almost like it it was, I'm not going to say contrived, but it, it's all, like, don't let any of them, you, you know, they're, they're not allowed to get out. I mean, there's no fucking way, in, it's very hard for a chicken to escape uh, death, you know? Yes, but I think it was also, someone had mentioned something about sheep to me, about the same idea, that why are sheep so stupid? <laughs> I'm sure, do you know what, it might have even been Hemi. Mm. That sheep are so stupid because they've all been domesticated. They all the ones that dare to get a little feisty. Mm-hmm. Um, they get put back in their place, or they get hit by a car, or they get, you know, mm. killed for supper or something. So I think, I think the ones that are well behaved and stay in the pen and do what they're told and. The, those are the ones that survive and they're the ones that carry on. So maybe and it's... maybe it's as far just... as they're... Up as far as then they've had, uh, you know, a decent enough life, you know, they'll, they'll come in in the cold in the morning, they go out in the day and eat the grass. Yeah. Um, oh, but, you know, and right, and there's something else now. Uh, well, firstly, I'll, I'll say this. Um, there, you know, you'll have even down as far as kind of flowers, flowers will will, will evolve to a certain um, a, a certain environment. You know, you might get a flower that that wouldn't survive, uh, let's say, the winter, uh, and because it's coming from somewhere else, and then you know, uh, and then it will, you know, uh, survive. Uh, oh yeah. If you look after it a little bit, like you know. Yeah. But I also read that water. Water holds holds memory itself. Water itself holds memory. You know, I didn't. I didn't really? actually. But yeah, the, there was um, a, a thing about it there. All right, scientists that that, that say water hold, holds memory. Holds memory. You know. Um, wow. When I think of water, especially the water on on this planet, I think it, it's it's all one body anyway. You know? it might be divided by land here and there and everywhere, but underneath the underneath the land, underneath uh, you know like miles and miles and miles down or whatever where does these um I, I I'm sure that it's that it's all one body of water anyway, you know. Uh so I'm that I'm, I'm is sure it's actually amazing and all the things that every body of water has seen. Mm-hmm. Oh would my god. Well I mean water would have passed through every animal on yeah. the planet too, you know, especially Especially, I would imagine the ice that's frozen around places, you know, oh, where, yeah. where, you know, in Siberia, where where the mammoths used to be, and you know, the big kind of huge big things that drank a lot of water, and trees as well that drank. I mean, trees drink a tremendous amount of water. Trees, trees talk to each other. Trees talk to each other through their root system. They, they move. They, you know, I th- I think trees get panicked they mm. they feed the ones that are weaker um, they? yeah they send they send nutrients and stuff to like if there's a small tree that's in the shade they'll send more nutrients to that little tree because it's <laughs> it's got it's harder to you know it's in a tougher mm. environment and but it's all through the root system they communicate to each other through that and would help say, each other. Would you say, um, and not to not to not to kind of box it into something something uh, kind of silly, but would you say trees that they sound like a, a socialist kind of uh, thing, you know, where they kind of look after each other and just send you know send each other, warn each other, they're there for each other all all the time. I mean. Mm. Uh, they're connected it's almost like they're I mean 
I mean, when you when you say they're connected to the roots, I mean, what what you're saying is really that you know they're they're all intertwined. Every single tree in a in a in a, in a, a forest into, into a forest or something like that. It's all it's all it's all the one entity. Well, you know, I don't know if it's a very common theme in movies, in books, in real life. I've felt it. It's a common feeling for people to go into a forest and feel like there's a presence. Mm-hmm. Feel like someone's there or someone's watching or talking about them or if you look at the really old trees, I think are they, are they oh, in California? Yeah. The huge big oh, the um, sequoias, you mean the redwood trees. Redwood trees, yeah, redwood trees. I, I think mean, it's in California. You can imagine, you know, uh, a group of people going for a picnic in there or something like that, and they talking to each other. Oh no, they talk. The, the trees, when they do talk, they they talk at a much slower rate. Communicate. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Slower rate um, than we do. Um, yeah, so the way that we are, it's like ants to us. We are huge creatures compared to them. We move really slow. Our voices are really low. They can hear really high pitches. I don't even know if they can hear our voices because they're so low compared to, you know, just on the frequencies that that any creature can hear. Um, like a cat, for instance, could hear something really, really high pitched and it bothers them. Um and dogs too. There's a dog. And that dogs. Dog thing. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So something that was at that high of a pitch could communicate with an animal of itself. Anyway, so yeah, I think ants to us are kind of <laughs> like what people are to trees, mm. <laughs> and vice versa. It's it's like their legs move really really fast. Like our legs move really really fast compared to a tree's legs. <laughs> yeah. A tree yeah. doesn't move. What did you say? Something about a banana tree moves 15 feet, walks 15 feet every year or something. No, or it's in, lifetime. It's, in its lifetime, yeah. It's it lifetime. Walked, it, yeah, it walks 15 feet, yeah. Walk 15 feet, yeah. <laughs> Is the word. We've had you from uh, a young guest uh, right away up through your, your early years, your school, your work, uh, your marriage. Uh, and subsequent uh, breakdown uh, and, you know, back up again and such like that. Um, where are you now? Who are you? Who the hell is Jess Telesa? Now, no. I know I asked you this. I know I asked you this. Uh, and I was like, oh, who the hell are you? <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, and not only that, but who... Who is Jess and, and what you know? Where where is she looking now? What's what's where are you? Like, it, it's you know what what's the crack there? Well, um, you mean in life or like hmm. in like, writing? Where do you see or? yourself? Where do you? Yeah, what what you know your goals now compared to let's say your goals when you were I don't know three. My goals. I don't have long-term goals. Well, I have more long, long-term goals than short-term, I suppose, which is maybe counterproductive. I do better with short-term goals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. I do better with short-term goals because yeah. I like to meet them one after the other mm. and kind of build myself on those smaller goals. But well, your work now is kind of working out. I mean, you're you're like you're nearly a manager where you are now. I mean, you're given responsibility. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, can you see yourself staying there, like, and, and keep keeping on going there and getting established uh, there, kind of thing? Well, at the moment, uh, I'm trying to make it in hospitality, um, but it's really only just to cover. I j- I just want to get by, really. You know, so I'm. I'm working really hard. Um, get my kids through their school and get them into uni when it's time. Um, Would you be disappointed if your kids didn't go to uni, or let's say got I married? Feel, I, feel, 
<laughs> they will not do that. I've already programmed them. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. All right. <laughs> We've done some programming. Is there is there a chance that that you will be evicted from uh, the UK? Possibly. Um, I I always I always consider it as a possibility because yeah. mm-hmm. there's no. Um, there's no definite safety in it, especially with all the things that are going on right now. I mean, Brexit is in the works. There's a pandemic on the loose. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if Trump is going to blow something up that's going to ruin. <laughs> like, I honestly have no idea. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would like to just keep that as it likely won't happen. I can't really envision it happening, to be honest. But I wouldn't rule it out either. I don't like to rule it out. I would like to be able to move somewhere else once my kids are old enough. Once my kids are on their own, whatever. I would really like to just fly off somewhere for ages and ages. (laughs) <laughs> Pacific Islands. You're, uh, you, you're, you're natural. You're like My natural habitat. Freedom, <laughs> freedom personified. Way! Yeah. Freedom. So that, that's your kind of long term thing. Then you know, it's just like get, yeah, yeah. Keep, get boy. You know, get the kids sorted, and then fucking life starts at. Of my greatest fear, you know, has always been of being trapped, of being stuck. And it may have come about because I have felt so trapped and have felt so stuck and it's the worst feeling. And freedom and the ability to have freedom whether you choose if you're choosing to be somewhere if you have a reason and you're choosing something that's different than being stuck in something that you chose a long time ago for instance and you still feel like now you're stuck there's a different thing so I I like to try and make choices that avoid that unfortunate position. <laughs> All right. Um, and I, I that's my goal. Just a lesser, the name. Where did that come from? Just a the lesser. Just a was just a lesser was supposed to be a play on words. Um, mm. Like just a lesser. I was there to read, and I didn't have any experience. I didn't feel so. I was. It was also just a like a court jester. I felt a bit like a bit, like a, kind of a bit of a fool. It's just a little. It also sounded pretty feminine. So it was just an all rounder. Yes, Alyssa, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here and being so close to such. Uh, and you are a true legend. Um, oh, and thank you. thanks. Uh, it's been a thanks pleasure. very much for coming in the studio. You will please uh, lead us out with another one of your fantastic poetries. So, excerpts from Keeping Track, Volume 2. These are for you. Graffiti in the shadows in a parallel universe for Light Baron. Our naked spirit writer with affinity for honesty sings of transience on skyscraper bases, on rust belt train cars, in sundial shadows, under railway bridges, right left brains painting harmony in a poet's hand. He found us here in storm gutter, having swept aside the pieced parts, high caps and past participle mindset already attuned to the principles and facets of karmic rebellion he's a hellion's own and still a favorite son of light with words that take shape like slow possession virtualistic tribal beats compressed emotion dancing up from gut to throat calling hips to follow sparkling webs of concept 
now to find the spell gathered from the parallels that grew his manly beard. Number two, splinters. I've witnessed parades of intelligent men, sonatizing, melting into gutter-bound pools at simple flickers of the lens on her face, her curves, and her eyes that one could hold high to heaven in the palms of his hands, so gods would bless the earth. Her mouth, a perfect bow, is tied seriously shut, while a bleeding tongue, too often bitten behind elegant fingers, drips the old poisoned leavings of wrongs, pain, Sunday silence. There was hope there in her eyes then, even when telling torture in their cherry wood and white. I wonder now if she's finding out what memories hypocrisy can't cover, and I wonder if my own eyes are giving me away. For Merda, number three, this one's silence is a temple buried under eons. Yet when words come, they form lovingly and reverently as prayers whispered to a boding conscience. 